This podcast is protected under the laws of the United States and other countries. Unauthorized duplication, distribution, or exhibition may result in civil liability, criminal prosecution, and the wrath of the tall man. <laughs> Boy! And welcome to the 90 for Show, the podcast. This is your host, Cool Movies Darth. You can find me on Letterboxd. Username CM Darth. Not the plan I had. I had a guest ended up needing to cancel once again. We're still working on trying to get that, which would have really been fun, actually, after watching uh, Your Next, to have a film to compare and contrast to Ready or Not. But, you know what? You can always count on family, so I contacted The Poetic Critic. That's The Poetic Critic on Letterboxd. Someone who can direct you to some holiday cheer. At least that's what her Letterboxd diary says. She's been... uh, keeping up the spirit and she's finally gotten around to the will ferrell classic elf something that i kind of feel has been shoved down our throats but again i'm quite the cynic and she lets us know a little bit about a bunch of other christmas movies like 8-bit christmas which is recent we'll let her be our holiday guide but in the meantime i'm kind of thinking where's the will ferrell zombie movie could he have replaced bill murray in the dead don't die that's just my way to introduce Ali's Accessory Shop on Etsy's Trash Feature Review. We've gotten through A to Z. We'll do something with a numeral for next week. Let's bring up the zombie diaries. The government originally stated that incidents in Asia were isolating cases. United Kingdom's preparation no for a pandemic threat. has been severely criticized in the press, with official figures grossly underestimating the spread of infection. This morning, they've completely sealed up the area. Well, they had to do it. There have been a lot of deaths. Deaths? All the news bulletins, they're telling people to avoid London. Should I ask what you people are doing out here with that thing? We're making a documentary. Out in the woods at this time. Sounds like my kind of film. So I've just concluded watching The Zombie Diaries. Uh, 2006 British found footage zombie flick, obviously. When you think of other zombie films of the found footage type, you probably immediately go to Diary of the Dead. Get out of the shot, Skim. These are really kind of two different movies, in my opinion. This really does kind of just feel like raw footage. I kind of wish there was a little more of a narrative to it, which kind of is hinted at in the end. And I know that they do a sequel and Five years later, 2006, The Zombie Diary with awful cover art. Misleading, I should say. Like, nope, they don't go in the city at all. It's, I mean, it keeps your attention. You really do want to just, it's like very voyeuristic, I should say. Well, Diary of the Dead, which there's a review on 90forchill.com, is about the satire, of course. It's a Romero film, so they want to tell a story. This isn't what I'd say your documentarians want. They just want the experience. The gore effects are, there's some great ones, honestly, in it. So any zombie movie, The Gut Buster, has taken its time. It really is just watching what the chaos would be. It's like, very much turns out to be what The Walking Dead would be, except there's no context, really. Again, narrative is pretty much non-existent. That kind of even makes it more uncomfortable. So definitely worth a watch for any kind of zombie fan. And I'm curious about the sequel, but not in a rush. Little Hand says it's time to rock and roll. Bring the noise. 
And since I've become more forthcoming about what an episode's going to entail, my intro times have really been cut uh, by quite a bit, I think. We could really just dive right into the podcast. And for me, this week, after getting some sleep after C2E2, I'm just doing all right. I will say drinking a little more, smoking a little more, but... Hey, that is what it is, as long as I can make it to Monday night to finish producing this one. Really, I guess the thing to take from it was I'm really starting to appreciate re-watching movies, and I will discuss that with the big sis in the podcast, but got a lot out of a rewatch of Spiral from the Book of Saw, and still prepping for the Ready or Not podcast with Michael Dubois. I was catching a lot of interesting things out of that feature. Hey, if you like a movie when you see it the first time, I am the wrong person to ask because I'm telling you, spend your money, buy it, and keep appreciating it as much as you can. Otherwise, let me just go out there and get the typical plugs and such out of the way. You can follow me on Twitter. The handle is at CatBusRuss. That's at C-A-T-B-U-S-R-U-S-S. And... If you want to be on the show, send an email to rustthebus07 at gmail.com. That's R-U-S-S-T-H-E-B-U-S-07 at gmail.com. Or you can direct message me on Twitter. And Twitter is actually where I want to get all your hate, if there is hate to be had. Let's uh, subscribe. Give us those five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts, Google, all major platforms, Spotify, if you got some bad things to say or critical, really, no, just bad things. Because, hey, I can't be afraid of criticism. Do that at CatBusRuss. Again, if you want to be on the show, get a hold of me. Give me a theme, a movie, a director, an actor. As long as you keep the focus on films under 100 minutes, I think we can do something with it. Make some podcast gold. And for next year, I'm going to try even expanding things a little further. Am I the only one who's fed up with post credit scenes? Just a thought. So let's get to the show. What's your name? Buddy. Your costume is pretty. Oh, it's not a costume. I'm an elf. Well, technically I'm a human, but I was raised by elves. On November 7th, the world's largest elf is coming home for the holidays. We elves try to stick to the four main food groups. Candy, candy canes, candy corns, and syrup. Will Ferrell. Okay, people, Santa's coming to Santa. Ah! I know him. I know him. Elf. What do you want for Christmas? A Susie Talks Lab. I'll put in a good word with the big man. Rated PG. Starts Friday, November 7th. All right, and welcome back to 90 for Children Podcast. This is your host, Cool Movies Darth, and coming in in a pinch, you can always count on your big sis. So this week, I have the Poetic Critic on, and, you know, really, I think this could be more about shooting the breeze, because I didn't get a chance to cram in uh, 8-Bit Christmas. Um, You can do it later if you want. Oh, no worries. I mean... It's your night off. Let's uh, not uh, go and burden you too much. I mean, realistically. Okay. Well, no, re- no, that's why I mean. You, you don't have to watch it right now. It's oh, okay. All right. All right. But you, you do recommend that one, don't um, you? Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, is it solely Nintendo? There weren't people like me who was trying their best to get the Sega Master System to break through. Um, yeah, it is only Nintendo. 
that's covered. Uh, it's set in it. It's uh, set in a, at the top of the film. They just the narrator just says it's the late '80s, although it's supposed to be 1988. There's a little detail near the end that gives that away. Okay, well that's weird because it wasn't hard to get a Nintendo in '88. I don't know. Uh, I well, mean, what? we we got ours in the summer of 89 yes that's correct but that that took a hell of a lot of begging and mom just having an extra hundred bucks <laughs> uh because that was a garage sale um purchase so which uh tells you how much mom really cared i don't know, might tell us how well off we were if you know she got rid of a bunch of stuff and then we yeah turn around buy a nintendo um and I think a lot of people relate to the Nintendo game. I think there was a lot of resistors. Um, so, because I, I, I recall, I think um, the uh, Cole brothers, uh, Breton, oh, shoot, I forgot the younger brother's uh, name. You know, they lived up the street uh, across from uh, our uh, second cousins. Um, they, I don't think they got one till like summer of 89. And I think that was right. probably probably the thing that pushed mom over the edge okay let's just go and do it now because i know when we're watching all the commercials say christmas 88 um i was pushing for this the master system or you know at that time the sega and mm-hmm. you were you were pushing for the nintendo you you had a you just thought legend of zelda was going to be the end all be all from day one i didn't think that Oh, that was the one you were primarily focused on, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. And of course, we ended up with. Uh... So I guess a interesting question. Did you prefer Zelda to the uh, Link's, uh, Link's Adventure or did you prefer the original? I always prefer the original. Okay. Yeah. Mega Man 2. That was my big Christmas gift. And we never got a hold of the original, actually. That's true. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, hey, uh, people out there, I know Best Buy has plenty of switches. Um, and come on, in the age of online gaming, you're going to have to subscribe to uh, the online service. It's only $20 a year, and you get to play Zelda. So, um, yeah, that's uh, just what's going on, I guess, in general. Um, we did come back from... Uh, c2e2 a week ago um i know i was uh all over the panel scene uh did you really find it uh worthwhile though just being a girl on the floor granted you get to see your boyfriend but i don't see understand what you mean by being a girl on the floor well you primarily were just i mean uh on the uh just look looking around the floor looking at all the stuff the stuff the merchants what you're saying is Mm -hmm. that yeah, there weren't as many panels we were interested in this year. But no, I enjoyed just looking around the floor. Any items there you uh, wish you would have grabbed? I'm kind of kicking myself for not buying the $40. I mean, it was at least $40 uh, wooden bot- bottle opener um, with basically space balls, the bottle opener. There were some hard decisions, but 
the closest thing I had to a regret was getting maybe one of the uh, Funko Pops for Beauty and the Beast. Um, but that, that would have been $60. And I don't think I've ever paid more than 40 for a Funko Pop. And it might have only been 30 at most. So. All right. So, well, the most I've, I've spent on a Funko Pop and I haven't done it at a convention. Uh, right. I, I know at Wizard World, I did buy the um, Moth Gideon, the Jean, Giancarlo Esposito character from The Mandalorian. I think for $45, I know that's what I paid for my yet to uh, soon to have been autographed uh, Michael um, Yondu from the original Guardians. Um, mm. most, most I've ever paid, though, I've paid 80 before. Um, and usually it's on Game of Thrones ones, and it's interesting that they're recycling that line. So it'll be interesting once we get to the uh, new series, I suppose. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was a, I don't know, a lot of good panels, I think. Um, or at least I thought, uh, seeing the, uh, Mortal Kombat 2 cast, uh, Mortal Kombat 1 and 2 cast, uh, reunion was interesting. And, uh, of course, John Carlo Esposito, AEW had a lot of fun. Um, and Twisted Tunes, that was the first time I ever watched them do their thing. So, you know, seeing, uh, hearing, uh, Winnie the Pooh as the lawyer exploiting Steve Martin for cab fare. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think it was John C. Riley who was doing Steve Martin at that time. <laughs> So the the movie they did was uh trains planes and automobiles and yeah I I don't think it's a uh, I don't think that John Hughes I just don't think is everything that we thought he was or we nostalgically look back upon. Hmm. I don't really think about that much. Well, I mean Uncle Buck Home Alone eh, and even Home Alone it's like I mean last night I was watching a uh, finally opened up my steel book of saw from sorry spiral from the book of saw and it's like yeah no no that's uh and it even that film even plays out like what if kevin McAllister became a a diy suicide uh homicidal maniac <laughs> it's uh no spoilers there i'm just saying that eh, it's kind of how it ends up um but uh so right now on my screen uh the podcast was originally re- to be recorded tonight and we're still working on getting scheduling down on that was uh for uh ready or not the night 2019 uh let's go and kill a bride movie um so i'm waiting on uh, i really want to get this done because i really think i need uh my guest who is going to be uh michael debra to really sell me on it being a four-star movie it's good but after watching uh your next for ali's accessory shop on etsy's trash feature review last week it's like uh, i think they may have done it better already so and i also love the fact that i was able to like well you know it's promotional material lionsgate paid for that license i don't have to worry about copyright hits so i get to open a podcast with 
Perfect Day by Lou Reed. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, doing a little bit of letterbox stalking of you, of course, in this last minute situation. Uh, I saw that you finally got around to Elf, or did you rewatch yes. it? Ah, uh, no, I-, I finally got around to it. Um, and it was nice that it exceeded the hype that's come up around it over the years. Oh, yeah. No, the moment I'm driving through Danville trying to find the Vermilion Bobcats uh, after party and seeing their local theater have Elf the Musical, it's like, oh, man. And then on top of that, we had to do that was our um, bank photo uh, Christmas card this year was we tried to recreate Elf. Oh. Uh, previous year, at least uh, as long as I've been there, previous year was a uh, a Christmas story, which makes a little more which makes sense. And before that, it was Harry Potter, which uh, I don't think so. I mean, I know they celebrate um, Christmas in the wizardly world, but um, I don't know. Was Jesus Christ a wizard? That's what I'm getting to think out now. I don't think so. Well, if you watch uh, the last uh, Robot Chicken Christmas special, that's uh, they pretty much tried doing uh, Murder on the Orient Express. And uh, at Christmas, somebody's killed Santa on the North Pole Express. It's not the Polar Express. And uh, Jesus says, oh, and I'm going to do this without my magic. Uh, it, Jesus, Jesus, could you do it? There? And the magic's gone. <laughs> so... Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know, I guess even back in 2003, was it? Mm-hmm. I even knew this movie was going to blow up huge, which is weird. Cause I think there's a, just a natural inclination to not let Will Ferrell blow up huge. I mean, I don't know. Comedy is such a subjective thing. Well, I say that with um, Anchorman, I think, really making its money back on DVD. Yeah, I see what you're saying there. Now, it is interesting to think that at the time, it wasn't that uh, Warner's wasn't interested in promoting ALF. I mean, they gave it a lot more support than they gave Looney Tunes back in action the same month. Yeah, but, which is one I still got to get around to. I'm I'm sorry. I'll give Timothy Dalton a try with anything. So, which yes, but, I guess we will have to do the Beautician and the Beast at some point. Well, with it's it's interesting with Elf because the movie that was kind of expected to be the big family film that particular Thanksgiving. I don't think the Haunted Mansion movie with Eddie Murphy was ever really a contender. No, but. <sighs> Uh, the the other big release that month for the family market was the Mike Myers Cat in the Hat movie, which there are, I don't know, man, millennials. What can I say? There are kids who look back on that one fondly, and like, why do you think that ended everything? No, the love guru finished everything for Michael Myers. Oh, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. No, that one that was absolutely unwatchable. Um. On a side note, though, have you listened to the Razzie's Best Picture winner screen drafts? I've listened to part of it. Okay. Yep. So Jack and Jill at number six. (laughs) 
But uh, I'd say it's really going to sell. I think I'm going to have to take the plunge on Howard the Duck. So, <laughs> um, so that's uh, just on the side note. So yeah, so obviously, Cat in the Hat critically panned. Um, I I think that was the beginning of the end of Mike Myers. Still, oh, it was. Well, well, obviously, if it wasn't the big Christmas movie, um, and yeah, it's as like Ricky Bobby says, if you ain't first, you're last. So, <laughs> but I mean, I don't want to call it. Well, Iron Man, I think, is obviously John Favreau's best movie as a director. I mean. Unless you want to go into his more subtle independent stuff, Chef is a very good movie. I mean, I haven't seen that one. Oh yeah, it, no, it's a uh, it's solid. I mean, it was it, it's one of those where you know a bunch of actors are doing a favor <laughs> to make that movie. <laughs> yeah, so it was a lot. I thought it was fun. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just the forty year old now and like and. John Favreau was able to successfully talk Scarlett Johansson into being a love interest in that movie to for him. There's hope. <laughs> so um so yeah, uh Elf I don't know, I guess this is kind of a, like a nightmare before Christmas and lo and behold 10 years later <laughs> where yeah. I think where it where it kind of like once the fandom developed, it's kind of like, oh god, they're gonna ruin everything. Um, and I can't well, really. That, hmm. That's this part of it is that at this point, I don't think we've had a really, what do you say, iconic Christmas movie in about well, going on 20, 20 years now because we're eighteen years out from Elf and seventeen from the closest thing we've had since then was probably the polar express which came yep. out next year They're right yeah and that's and that's a lot more divisive but we haven't had a really big christmas movie since elf and i was on twitter talking with some other folks about this and i think elf is as close as we ever got to a live action pixar movie at least early pixar yeah no at this point they were only up to finding nemo right and um yeah i mean we we only killed one matriarch in that entire time so (laughs) (laughs) so i don't know one thing that struck me about elf is that it's pretty much that attitude and structure of the early pixars when they were a lot more comedy centric yes yeah i could see that and almost like I'm kind of surprised it worked because if you don't, if you get a pissed off James Caan. <laughs> well, yeah, apparently that was why Will Ferrell turned down all offers of doing a follow up. That he and James Caan did not get along on that movie. Mm. Apparently, Caan was very difficult to deal with. Yeah. Um, mm. But really, that's the sort of thing that works best as a one off anyway. So, no harm, no foul. But well, yeah. unless you, unless you have a, and I think it's just a rule for everything, and I think that's why horror's okay to have sequels and such, 
is that unless you have plans on doing something crazier immediately, just don't do the sequel. <laughs> it's probably a valid point. Like John Wick, we had like John Wick Chapter Two three years later, but like we were so pumped about it. And yeah. uh and then horror movies, you know, I love my annual horror franchise. <laughs> so uh here's hoping for a second from the Book of Saw features. And actually watching that last night, and then I've got uh ready or not playing just on the screen on the TV muted because I was planning to get my closest reaction I can to that. A rewatching, I think, is an underappreciated art. Or not art. I mean, trend. Like, um, getting to notice little details in this movie. Kind of, like, making me think, oh, the reason I might kind of, like, there's a lot of comedy in Ready or Not. Just, But it's kind of like, I really need Samara Weaving to be Bruce Willis in the Air Ducks and Die Hard. Um. And then watching a spiral from the book of Saw, I just caught so many like, oh, the, the writers doing Pulp Fiction references and everything since they had Samuel L. Jackson. So uh, little things like that. I, I really like. I don't know if you enjoy a movie, I say buy it just so you can watch it again and then pick it up and and then you take it to your uh, local resale place. Uh Hopefully, Mega Replay is still open in Peoria, but I think um, it is. Yeah, because the best one in Central- a few weeks ago, they were running radio ads for it. All right, that's good because the the best disc slash Mega Replay was in Bloomington, and that just closed up like overnight, real fast. And they had the biggest material and everything. I guess it's all, and I know it's not all in Champagne right now, so. I'm kind of kind of getting scared. I think uh, digital media has almost taken over everything now. Yeah. I mean, and uh, not to say that I'm knocking it, especially in the age of 4K, because just the sheer amount of data in a 4K, it's almost easier just to stream it than to buy a disc and see that flake out on you two and a half hours in. Or at least that's what the experience was with my old LG player. So, Right. I mean, right now I kind of got a resolution. I'm going to try burning out one of my TVs just so I can make space for a good computer setup. But I digress there. So um, Elf, though, is this going to is that pretty much uh, like what they say on um, the podcast rewatchables on the Ringer Network? Would you say that was Apex Mountain for Real Feral? Like that would be him and his most with his most stroke. I don't know. So I mean, I can't remember when, because uh, I really loved, um, still love uh, the Talladega Nights, the ball- Ballad of Ricky Bobby. Um, I haven't seen that one yet. Uh, I mean, it's. I don't know. Have you seen The Dictator or are you pretty much just going to stick to Borat when it comes to um, Sasha Baron Cohen? Yeah, I I haven't had a lot of comedies I've wanted to catch up on, which is a shame because 
you know, things have been stressful for all of us lately. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Talladega Nights, that was 2006. So, yeah. Yeah, I think, like, he he had quite a role for a bit. And then I think Bewitched was in there. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But, um, I don't know. I mean, everything about Elf works. There's no question about that. Ed Asner, Santa Claus. Yeah, it's a monster cast even now. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you could get that kind of cast now because it kind of skews older for a lot of the secondary characters. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, it's. I don't know. It, it gets scary once once actors get into their late sixties and seventies, especially when you have parents in their late sixties and seventies, and then oh, David Bowie gone at sixty nine. Nice. Um, sorry, that's just a requirement when you say sixty nine. Nice. Um, Lemmy at seventy. Like, I mean, never mind the entire twenty sixteen and what two thousand nine was another. Uh, Gosh, how many celebrities are going to use lose year? And it just gets really, uh, I don't know. I kind of get a little nervous when you got my, as I say, when you have parents in that age range now. Like, um, in other words, you know, we're not going to get Ad, Ed Asner back for a sequel. Um, and, you know, you kind of worry like, oh, geez, you just wake up and find out James Conn got COVID or something and great. I've t- I've done stuff like said stuff like that before and totally jinxed something. So <laughs> I best digress. Like Bob Newhart, he's still with us, right? Yeah. Yeah. So kind of kind of miss Big Bang Theory solely for him having to put up with Sheldon every couple of seasons. <laughs> but um and shoot. I think I know who played uh, the stepmom in a sense um, in Elf. Mary Steenburgen. Yes. Yeah. I don't know why I was drawing a blank on that one because I've, I mean, she's the queen of time travel movies when you stop and look at it. Possibly. Well, have you seen Time uh, Time After I haven't Time? Have that caught up with that one yet? Well, if if you need to, just look at the Apple. Uh, apple movies that i own and yeah it's in there i mean it was a i mean it might be david warner at his finest Um, at least my opinion it's kind of it's kind of cute to see malcolm mcdowell not be an evil bastard Uh, so and we get a young Corey feldman so um so yeah i mean elf I don't know. I guess the biggest fear I have is the need of knowing if our niece and nephew have seen that movie. Well, I just have a feeling like that's, I don't know, in hindsight, in retrospect, and it's totally unfair because I know we did it to our parents. Um, when When they get obsessed with the movie that, yeah, you know, you, you acknowledge it was good, but like for me back when I was working at the I Hotel, uh, not no, the Mark Twain Hotel in Peoria, 
Uh, so many wedding uh, receptions, people waiting because the reception room was across, across the way. Uh, so many children singing about snowmen. Mm. It's like, oh gosh. It's just really scary, I guess. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Our parents weren't as big on that. Maybe they were a little more like, eh, take him to a movie. It'll distract him. I guess I just kind of feel like being really involved with movies, having a, doing a podcast. So there I say an obsession with movies. (laughs) Oh, and the little bastards ruin them for you. It just hurts me there. Um, so, but, um, you know, uh, if you want to see something funny, though, uh, it, the WWE, I don't know what they were doing. It was kind of like how they did WrestleMania 22, WrestleMania Hollywood, as they like to remember it, where they, for the promotion, they go and parody movies for the commercials. Like you had John Cena and JBL uh, doing the uh, Jack Nicholson, Tom Cruise courtroom scene. Uh, Or the Undertaker's Dirty Harry. And um, somewhere on the internet, and if you look it up, there's, they did Elf. Like, and I guess that's not too far. Well, the movie isn't too far removed from WrestleMania 21. But this would have been because I showed it to Allie back when we were living together. And it basically has seven foot wrestler, bronze 350 pound wrestler, Braun Strowman as buddy. <laughs> and yeah, he's doing his best to be awkward and everything. And then they, they don't really break that fourth wall until they um, pick on cruiserweight drew Gulag, who was representing uh, Peter Dinklage. Let's just say they weren't going to let somebody who's 195 pounds beat the crap out of their monster. So that's a fun little bit. Um, I don't know. You're probably a little more open to things, but to a point, it's like, aside from Buddy getting drunk in the mailroom, it's almost too wholesome. It is. It's kind of the end of a certain kind of kids movie with that in the Polar Express and that they're allowed to be pretty sincere and wholesome movies. And from that point on, you don't see these kind of smaller scale stories being subject to kids films anymore because what you go on to is you're either doing really self-aware snarky stuff like the Shrek franchise, which was popping up around the same time did, or you're going in the epic fantasy direction of something like Harry Potter, where the, where the stakes are gigantic. Pixar has kept, uh, still worked with relatively small scale stories over the years, but outside of animation, the, kind of stuff you do in kids movies now it's pretty rare to see anything on a smaller scale which might be one reason why we haven't seen as many big 
successful Christmas movies in the year since. Because 20 years is a long time not to come up with something that's really taken off, at least for the family market. Oh, no, you're 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 right there. I mean, it, it was only 12 years. Be- well, no, and you had the Santa Claus uh, even between Home Alone and Elf. Yeah. Um, which I, I, I do stand for the Santa Claus. It's just, I mean, I judge Reinhold in Christmas, man. I, <laughs> I think it works. Gremlins, Santa Claus. So, um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, it's almost, do you think kids attention spans are just, well, I don't know. Like, I'm kind of thrown off because I figure, oh, kids don't have the extent, the attention spans. So, why are we doing epic fantasy for them now? Well, if or are we at- really, are we really just like, oh, the kids are going to take what they want? We better make sure the parents don't get angry at us. It could, it could be. Um, when I notice, I do notice pacing issues with the modern tentpole movie that the pacing of something like Jurassic Park is a lot different than the pacing of something like uh, the well I haven't seen a lot of Marvel movies lately I suppose they're trying for a faster pace with more incident as you might say or something like the first Fantastic Beasts movie mm-hmm. which which I rented from the library some time ago yeah, I and I thought I thought that movie was fun. Um and maybe I'm just anti kids, like ah, Harry Potter. No, I don't need kids doing my Star Wars. Ah, Eddie Renbane doing my Star Wars. Okay. Overweight guy trying to score. Yeah, I'm obviously there. <laughs> A little more relatable for me. <laughs> so um but uh, I'm going to say it and curse the backlash. I'm team Amber. So, <laughs> well, never mind. Mads Mickelson. You know, he's going to do more than John, Johnny Depp, but that's a totally different conversation. <laughs> yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a very different one. I'm not in the mood for. No, no. <laughs> we really shouldn't be in the mood for because there shouldn't be teams in that situation. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but no, I mean, the only thing problematic besides and I, as a, you know, functioning alcoholic, I'm not going to fault buddy drinking in the mail room. <laughs> um, and that's a, that's some hyperbole there. But I have been drinking more during the holidays. I'm going to acknowledge that. Um, well, the only thing problematic you can really say is Buddy singing uh, Baby It's Cold Outside with Zoe Dashnell. Yeah, that is a surprising scene, although it's done pretty innocently oh, in its yeah. way. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, it's almost difficult to even see uh, Will Ferrell as something sinister, almost. And this is coming from a character in Wedding Crashers who started the entire concept of Wedding Crashers and then moved on to Funeral Crashing. <laughs> um, 
I don't know. He's kind of Will, uh, Will Ferrell kind of has this like we kind of all accept that Bill Murray could be an asshole and we love him for it. <laughs> I and I, I mean asshole and is like he's just going to call it as he sees it. But we don't get that with Will Ferrell. He's like the I'd say the most successful Saturday Night Live alum since Adam Sandler. Yeah, there has some. Well, it says a lot about how comedy dynamics have changed. I don't remember where I first read it, but it's been pointed out. There just isn't a market for performers from stuff like Saturday Night Live to go into movies anymore because there's not a market for mid-budget comedies. I did not think about that. Well, geez, we're getting we're getting some podcast gold here. So if Russ Stevens tech sends you a Facebook message <laughs> for a last minute call up. <laughs> You best. I mean, respond. you look at somebody like Keenan Thompson, and he could have been a, a lot bigger as a star. I mean, he's. I don't watch a lot of Saturday Night Live now. No, I don't but, either. But... You know, he's always seen as a highlight, and he's yes. stuck around for so long. In one another movie, I was watching. I was catching up on some other Christmas titles, and when I got back from C two E two, it happened to be on TV. So I looked at the twenty eighteen Grinch movie. Yeah, I did see that. You gave it about a two, and I got to watch it just because of my viewist universe, but with Scott Mosier being a co-director. Oh, I see. Yeah. Uh, Well, Keenan Thompson voices one of the secondary characters. He does a great job at it. This this is really one. He's one of the who's. He's this really friendly, amiable one, and it's just a delight every time that character pops up. But the movie itself is uh, kind of weird because, I mean, it's very handsomely mounted mm. as far as the animation goes. It's very pretty design. And for especially if you found the live action version from 2000, a bit of an eyesore that way. It hasn't aged well visually. No. I haven't no. watched the, that film in a long time. On the other hand, it. I can see where a lot of people actually prefer, some people actually prefer the 2000 version to this because it does flow together better as a script. Right. There's a lot of doodling in the margins in the animated version that, and I know you're, you're struggling to get this up to feature length, but it kind of seems to lose track of itself at times. There's also the fact that there are a ton of, it's an illumination production yeah. and they've kind of become famous for their needle drops. Right. As kids like to put it. And there are some pretty funny ones in that movie. Mm. But it's kind of weird that they're working with a lot of the more familiar Christmas pop songs. And between that and the whole feel of the film coming off as a bit rote, it's almost like a 24 seven Christmas music station suddenly come to life and been visualized. Oh gosh, shoot it in the head to sever it from the spine. Sorry. Just uh I don't know. It was something no, I wanted to like more than I did. Okay. Well, I'm just I I'm my I'm just treating anything that seems scary as a zombie. Um yeah. Steak through the heart, stuff the face with garlic. Damn you, twenty four seven Christmas channel. Um yep so but um i don't know i mean are we it's almost like 
are we ever gonna return it? I mean, I don't know. It's almost like if streaming takes over, I guess we might see a return to the mid-budget movie because obviously you can't keep throwing uh, Dwayne Johnson money at movies that are only going to be online. Right. So, I mean, 8-Bit Christmas, I guess, is where I'm coming from there. Like, Yeah, because... I get the sense that was intended for a theatrical release at some point. I don't remember hearing about any delays, but they shot it in scope. Huh. I mean, this was a modest production, mainly shot up like in Canadian studio sets, though. It's set in Chicago, and they did clearly do location shooting down there. Yeah. It's very, it, it comes together convincingly. But it was shot in scope. So I'm assuming they would have tried to push it in theaters if they could have. and. I don't know how well it would have done because it's, you know, a throwback to those more modestly scaled kids movies we used to get. Right. But, um, it's just very weird to think that it's kids and family movies that we're not going to see mid scale for. Well, I mean, Disney, I mean, you look at Disney plus, they've tried a few films like that that in the last few years that either went straight to streaming or ended up on streaming. They've been doing a few kid-lit adaptations like Timmy Failure, uh, One and Only Ivan. They've done a second pass. They're trying to second pass a Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they're not really getting any attention. Well, the, the problem with Disney Plus is I don't think a lot of people are going for, I think, uh, I think it's more of an archive service, in all honesty. Aside from new Marvel and, um, well, ser- series, series, that- series based on television series based on IP, like because right. the fella who covers a fair amount of Disney stuff, he's a pro critic, but he covers a lot of Disney stuff on his Twitter feed. A uh, guy named Josh Spiegel at Masterpiece. I think I'm aware he of was- him. He was talking about this the other day and that Disney doesn't plus does not have a lot of archive stuff left to post. It seems to get thinner and thinner every month because they don't seem that interested. I'm thinking they're not that interested in dipping further into the Fox titles or they can't get to them because there's still some contracts with HBO Max that have to be worked out first for the Fox titles. Oh, yeah, and never mind. I mean, they only you got to figure out. Scissor hands this month, and you'd think that would have been an early priority for them, if only because that's Chris, at least Christmas adjacent movie. Right. Well, keep in mind, though, they have Hulu. So I would imagine, like, that's really what I want to see Disney do is basically make Hulu the. Yeah, I mean, this is not this touch, is not a problem many the international services where Disney boxes all the stuff up and there's a second tier for the adult material. Right. And well, you know, worst comes to worst, Rory, I can help help you. Sorry, the poetic critic. Uh I can help you figure out a um a VPN situation so you could just go and get your Disney Plus from England. <laughs> I'm not interested in that. I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying that's how I I can't go back to watching AEW wrestling on TNT. Like, no, I want to hear the 
kind of snarky commentary you get on commercial breaks. <laughs> so, well, but as Spiegel was saying, there there doesn't seem to be a lot of archive stuff. Disney's in a hurry to get out at this point, or that they may not have that much left. I know a few titles that people are still waiting on, especially early '80s titles like Something Wicked This Way Comes or Never Cry Wolf, still haven't shown up. Mm. Or some of their TV acquisitions, like they have original flavor Muppets show up, but not the other one. They probably wouldn't have a ton of problems getting up with Muppets Tonight, except they'd have to clear more music rights issues for a lot of episodes. And there doesn't seem to be a huge push for that as yet. I'm not sure what you to what would to do to encourage that anyway and that's and that's mainly disney only with whatever they're producing from this point forward well we shouldn't have problems getting up tonight up i mean prince didn't have any airs um (laughs) no there were some great episodes of muppets tonight i love the garth brooks i love the prince episode i mean so yeah there i mean it's i realize that disney just cannot get a handle on selling the muppets to younger generations but they could at least keep trying with the archive material yeah and it's really weird because you say younger generation and it's like muppets christmas carol is the millennial christmas carol yeah, it's kind of like that. That's the cutoff point, though. Yeah, but I'm just saying we're only one generation removed. I don't know what's after Gen Z, but um, yeah, just um, very. I mean, you go to Disney World. The one thing you have to do at uh, Hollywood Studios, aside watch going uh through star tours at least five times Uh, i think you informed me that i'm gonna have to do it probably seven or eight times uh now in these six years since trips um is to watch muppet vision 3d yeah Uh, which i don't i don't i don't know if i can venture and say it's the best 3d movie disney ever did or i do think it probably is the best of the 3d shorts for Ah. disney I don't know. I loved It's Hard to Be a Bug. I think they really got all the uh, um, ancillary, ancillary stuff, like the getting your bum stung and, <laughs> and um, you know, being sprayed and stuff. You don't, you don't get the, you get the 3D, you don't get that, but you don't get the texture with Muppet Vision. I don't know. You have the squirting flower gag and stuff like that. Oh, uh, yeah, but I don't know. Maybe it speaks more of me like, all right, when's this but when my bum getting stung? <laughs> so and that is after that's Animal Kingdom after dark for you folks. So um, yeah. I don't know. I haven't watched the latest Muppets Christmas special. Uh, have you? I mean, that might say something if it's late latest. Yeah, I thought they did. That? I thought they did one like, or at least a crit. Um, I don't know. I thought they were pushing something recently. 
on Disney Plus. Uh, I know they pushed Muppets on Mansion. Yeah, but... no, you're right there. I'm sorry, but did you get around to watching that one? Or that's okay. Okay. Uh, it, it it's not as good as it could have been, and I think the fact that this was sh- part of it is that it was shot during the pandemic, and right. aside from a few bit two like two big set pieces a lot of it's just uh two or three character combinations okay. there are some big set pieces that bring in more characters including a bunch of the muppets tonight characters show up in this one yep. it's it there's a lot there are a lot of deep cut characters in it mm-hmm. well i just pulled up my imdb on my phone now uh, so yeah. yeah i mean there's plenty of stuff stuff still i mean 2008 you had muppets christmas letters to santa yeah uh, that, two, i haven't seen that yeah 2002 it's a very merry muppet christmas movie i think maybe i saw them trying to push that on disney plus they like, might have which is surprising because it has a lot of nbc universal references in it because it was an nbc production okay all right so so i don't know if there were i, I don't think that I don't know if there are any cuts or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, right now, like working at Best Buy, um, we don't like we've really gutted our DVD section now. Uh, mm-hmm. DVD, Blu-ray section, I should say. Um, so it's like if I see something like, well, that's not that's kind of old, you know, kind of get fascinated, like, yeah gotta do research and stuff like those muppet christmas story specials um saw a lot of movement on 4k restorations of peanut specials yeah 4k like dude this was six this was four by three stuff man yeah Um, you still want to make it look as nice as possible well like PBS was showing it tonight because although they have it's now lic- basically licensed from Apple TV to the show on television with Charlie Brown Christmas and uh, the print they have it looks very good. Okay. Um. So. Yeah, I had a thought. Uh, had. Um. Yeah, it's just uh Oh, thinking about stuff that looks good, I may be uh so I was on eBay last night and I found myself a 2006 copy on DVD of the 1979 Lion Witch in the Wardrobe. So Oh. We will see how that works out cuz then I look at the like I thought it was pretty awesome every time I saw it in grade school, which man, I really pro kind of wish i had my head about myself should we really be reading all seven should a teacher really be reading all seven of the chronicles to us <laughs> uh church and state but we live in morton and there's 37 churches one state so um so but looking at like i don't remember it looking that people looking that round and simple <laughs> so it is pretty simply animated yeah it's gonna so it'll be interesting once i get that in the mail <laughs> but uh hey it kept me away from buying another replica title belt <laughs> so 
um, which really I guess would be my only awkward moment at C2E2 because I don't know why Lance Archer wasn't with the AEW stuff. He was with the um, the um, wrestling oh, there was a wrestling comic book line and he was with their section and like my awkward experience with him was like okay so what are the prices on your stuff and like oh, autograph for 30 uh photo you know picture for 30 get both for 50 or for 60 you can hold the belt in the photo and get everything because hmm. he had the uh his his um united new japan uh, iwgp united states championship with him and it's like oh man i feel like a total and that's something i still got to call wrestling anonymous about it's like how do I approach these guys since I didn't get to share a locker room with Lance Archer <laughs> back in the day, but I def there, there were, there were chances we could have crossed paths. Like, I don't want to look like, Oh yeah, I get the, you know, I don't want to do this fan type stuff. You know, I am an artist. So that was my only awkward thing. Yeah. Talking about head trauma was what we went resorted to. So, but um, I don't know. Do you think we needed a little more Christmas stuff at C2E2? It would have been cute if they had, but it was neat to see everybody doing festive twists on a lot of the traditional costumes. Yes, there was that. But I don't think they wanted to push it too hard, though. Mm. Yep. So. I guess since we were both at uh, obviously Mystery Science Theory three, uh, Theater 3000 Live, the time bubble tour. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Roland Emmerich, just a total hack? I'm not going to say that he, he's brilliant, but <laughs> a guy that's shamelessly derivative. Well, I think the, the important part is the shamelessness. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I thought that the film they did, Making Contact, um, was a good choice for a riffing because it wasn't like a Manos level of terrible. No, but it was, it was like... Goofy. It was just goofy enough to be watchable. As uh, part, if you, That's what I thought. I know you don't think the same way. Yeah, I would say, and I think I re- said it on Twitter, at CatBusRust, um like somebody asked asked me after i sent a tweet to tweet from the event so was it better than uh no surrender no retreat and i would say that no surrender no retreat is the far more fun bad movie i i could see that no retreat no surrender yeah but but uh, uh i think that i'm just saying that as in uh making contact was just bad and i think it really made our riffers step up their game so i thought the overall experience i think was better yeah i see i see what you're saying because the movie did give them a lot movie had plenty to chew on while at the same time okay new world edited it 
the from the original West German cut by about twenty minutes. It, um, you so know, new world how, pictures, no pickups to so that stuff down. So that's how they got away with all the uh, copyright infringement. I don't know, actually. That's where I get back to the shameless thing. Yeah, compared to a lot of the other Spielberg ripoffs of this period. This well, movie, I'm bringing up. I'm bringing up feels- the. I'm bringing up the infringement, as in, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah you have to talking. you have to pay license fees <laughs> in the states for that stuff. Yeah, but but I think the getting to the shamelessness of it is that when you look at something like Mac and Me, it's kind of whistling, trying to pretend that what it's knocking off doesn't exist. Okay. Whereas with something like this, it it doesn't really care. You have the sense that they shot this in the U.S. And I almost wonder if they just told the kids to come, just come to the sun, what you got. <laughs> it's weirdly authentic in its ways, an unintentional period piece. Oh, I will give you that. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I could use some more dead kids in that movie. Like the bullies, like, okay. Um, I think you're 20 years ahead of the game in terms of your bullying. and. <laughs> And it, yeah, it almost does have the sense that if you gave a bunch of 80s kids some money to make a movie, they'd probably come up with something like this because they just want to do whatever they thought was cool. Yeah. And but that's it's... what Roland Emmerich's subsequent career has mainly been about. Yes, definitely. <laughs> like, um, huh, I still got to watch that riff for, like, that is the biggest problem with the riff tracks. All the, non-essential movies i've bought just because i want to hear the riff yeah like i watched like it was a it's a free i think it's still a free riff um new moon oh i i wasn't interested in that i but i i took the time to watch twilight after enough people said oh you gotta at least see what this shit is (laughs) and no vampires should be banned from baseball is what i came across never mind why are you f- screwing around with muse man i know they needed a break in the states but no ay, ay, ay. so i did end up buying like well i've always had the riff track available so yes i bought new moon and um and then there's when i think it was mothra when they did that riff tracks live I uh-huh. went. I, I like. Oh, and you get your free download code for Godzilla '98. Ah, oh, bollocks! <laughs> so I got Godzilla '98 on digital. Like, <laughs> so, but I don't know if it makes the movies better. It's all worth it. I think. I suppose so. Yeah. Really, though, I think we should at some point take on the challenge of actually doing a riff i mean i know you i know you've done your stuff at the agony booth back in the yeah day. i used to do the agony booth stuff yeah we the we the people at the agony booth knew about santa and the ice cream bunny before, long before riff tracks did i oh, see i thought that was an mst3k find but no 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 uh, uh-huh. santa and the ice cream bunny uh i first heard about it through the agony booth when i started visiting the site someone had just he found the v, the vhs of the title and they did a full coverage of it and 
this was a long time before Rift Tracks got hold of it. I don't know if Agni Booth was kind of responsible for that film resurfacing or not. I mean, it would be cool if it had, but that was where I first ever heard wind, got wind of it. I still think that's one of the all-time great riff tracks, whether it's the Thumbelina or the Jack and the Beanstalk version. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. I just, when you say that, it's kind of like, oh, the Thumbelina or the Jack and the Beanstalk. And it's like, I was listening to Marty and Sarah Love Wrestling today. And this was, this episode was the Buddy Bull 2021, where uh, Marty and Sarah, both comics, <laughs> went and... Uh, did all their impersonations and kind of like let them run the show like uh uncle rick flair and uh finn balor's mom mrs b and uh very interesting conversation between uh hannibal a wrestler who recently is very persona non grata after going in business for himself and stabbing a guy to the point that he uh in like in the head that he uh cut an artery um but they eventually had david arquette on it i guess mm-hmm. the biggest draw something they should have led with is the david arquette is on your podcast um but um oh shoot lost my thought there um yeah lost my thought there i am so sorry um something about I don't know we're talking about riff tracks and such and like of course it's when you get to self-referential it kind of blend i i think that's a curse of our generation is it's starting to blend together <laughs> like i think that's probably why people didn't like scream three was because okay it's all just we're all we're all in the joke by this point i guess that could be said about society except Obviously not because we had Donald Trump for four years, but uh, so, but um, yeah, so we've, oh, I know we've covered a lot of stuff. We uh, showed our, expressed our praise for Elf. Don't, basically my PSA for that is no more. It's Santa. I know him. I could do without that. (laughs) So. Um, but man, like now I'm just thinking about that though. It's like Peter Dinklage, most underutilized actor, perhaps. I, I mean, it, it was eight years before we, he got his big moment, and I mean, he was you know he's been a working actor for a good. I'm sure he was in the movie Tiptoes, <laughs> but. You know, it's like I first saw him, the far oldest movie I saw him in was Living in Oblivion. Um, so it's just very, very interesting that like we have such a talent and we only utilized it, you know, we only utilize them once a decade. <laughs> so. Now I'm just starting to think about what if he would be if he was ever pissed about not just being cast as a hobbit. <laughs> I'm sure Peter Jackson would have gone to bat for him. 
I don't think Jackson loves special effects that much. <laughs> um, but yeah, so 8-Bit Christmas, a recommend from The Poetic Critic. That's The Poetic Critic, all one word on Letterbox. And um, there's just no, like, I can be as cynical as I'd like to be, but there's no denying the power of Buddy the Elf. Um, let's see. So, Xmas, Christmas. Uh, no, sorry, Christmas, eight bit Christmas. Um, got some Grinch coverage in there. So, yeah, I mean, we only have uh, really a week left. You know, it's well, two weeks, I suppose, but uh, in the new year, you and I are going to be in Disney World. Oh, God willing. You know, so much is going on lately. Oh, well, if anything, logical um, precautions until we start having a body count, a major body count again. Sadly, I think we're, we should be in the clear, <laughs> which I'm not saying is right. Like, I know... Um, I know it's a big deal in California where they're just going to say, yeah, we're going to have to treat everybody the same. With that said, get your vaccinations, people. I mean, we've, we, we're almost, uh, my day job, we're almost, we've almost got the sway now to get everybody there. Um, you know, all it takes is knowing that you have somebody who nearly died from it. That usually makes you make the right decision. So, which, tells you how large our country is with uh, 800,000 deaths and there's still people saying no. And it's kind of crazy because I have a co-worker whose parents both tested positive recently um, and they immediately went and got the ivermectin from the pet store. So uh, it's a crazy world. So I don't know. I think I think we're going to be all right. I mean, we'll be able to get there. We're all boosted. I just got my flu shot today. And I don't know. You don't really get out too much. I mean, because you don't you don't drive. Um, so it's basically if mom and dad I, I just want oh. I, I just want to be careful. Oh, please no. be careful. Oh, most definitely. No, I got my as I say, I got my flu shot today. Mm-hmm. Um. I was I was just trying to make light of everything like well since oh right I got out of the house and okay so I'm out of the house I got my flu shot and then it's kind of like once you're out of the house like man I had so many bloody pokemon I wanted to catch today in uh brilliant diamond <laughs> but lo and behold you know you start thinking about stuff you can do once you're out of the house so People, get yourself a switch. Get yourself those are available. I mean, it's cold outside. Just enjoy what you have. And you know what? It's winter. We're all supposed to be hiding hiding from the cold anyhow. So if there's a time to think about being safe, it's now. I think that's a pretty fair statement. Well, we'll uh, see. Yeah, but... uh, Ah, I that is one the regret though. I think I did have from Wizard World besides the space balls, the bottle opener, 
I did not buy somebody always does 3D printing Buddhas of characters. And like I drink a I used to drink a lot. And it's like, I think I need that dude Buddha. And mm. then I didn't see him for a couple of years. I saw him. I didn't buy him this year, but um I did not go and buy an Ultra Saber, so I am you're gonna have to show me how to go and get that reservation at Galaxy's Edge to see about getting myself a lightsaber. It's definitely quite a markup, though. I'm gonna tell you, you you are absolutely right about that. Um, in general, what would you say to people going to Disney World? What's the markup on stuff that they're gonna they could just get anywhere else? I really don't know at this point. Mm. So, is there anything crazy that you've bought at Disney before? I don't know, really. It's hard to remember. Yeah. I mean, no, I can't say I've ever done anything too crazy. Like, my R2-D2 suitcase was definitely 20 to $30 too much, but it's an R2-D2 suitcase. I, I can't. Um... And the only other goofy thing I bought at just at Hollywood Studios was uh uh coupling the uh handcuffs the Empire does and I was just hoping for some kinky kinky sci-fi nerd to come into my life. So it's the only reason I bought those. Um yeah, so but uh no, got my Christmas shopping done. I know mom and dad said don't really worry about it primarily like i just realized you got to get stuff for the kids so um it was a tough decision uh between uh buying uh a a set of bluey toys for our niece um because there was one with muffins and i figured well she probably doesn't have the other dogs but then there was the one with the unicorn she loves unicorns and now I really want to find the like how am I going to find the footage of the unicorn pooping to show our niece. Oh, you're a good unicorn. You're a good unicorn. <laughs> Sorry. You can blame Watch Mojo for allowing me access to know everything that Disney Plus is censored. <laughs> um but I guess we're really just um, chasing our own tail at this point. So is there anything you want to plug? Um, no, not today. Okay. And uh, as always, you can be a guest on 90forchill.com, the podcast. It's not difficult, <laughs> obviously. Um, uh, if you just send an email to rustthebus07 at gmail.com, that's R-U-S-S-T-H-E-B-U-S-07 at gmail.com. Or follow me on Twitter at CatBusRuss, that's S-C-A-T-B-U-S-R-U-S-S. Give me a movie, a theme, a director, an actor, as long as we focus on sub 100 minute stuff, we should have gold. Uh, with that said, though, I am planning, you know, we're coming to episode 50 soon. So obviously I got to think of new ways to make the podcast interested. So I think I am going to go to bi-weekly guest format, but I am going to start investigating these hour 44 minute movies. Like 
it's crazy how long credits are now don't you think rory uh yeah critic like i rented monster hunter and uh like okay so this looks like it's gonna end pretty pretty soon like and there's supposed to be another 10 minutes okay five minutes all right we're still at the 138 minute mark i mean the one hour 38 minute mark when's this like all right it ends so am i really going to be sitting around for another five minutes to see if there's a post-credit sequence there was none so i gotta i gotta really gotta give movies a chance that fit around that time you know add another five minutes everything to see if you can skip out on the credits first i'll let you guys know about it and we'll go from the you know so if you want to do it on the podcast it'll be available so um anything you think that could improve the podcast i I don't know i'm not really thinking right now okay well it's your day off so for you i'm sorry i'm just trying to research some stuff oh well yeah but um as you know you want the best movie suggestions i would definitely look at letterbox.com slash the poetic critic she's got uh she knows her stuff so and truthfully she's probably she is she is looking for the best stuff so her blinders are down for the most part um so like mutations that fascinated me rory (laughs) what was that recent tcm underground title okay so there's a chance I can find it on HBO Max then. If I could find the X from outer space. <laughs> so, well, thank you very much uh, for coming through for me in such short, short notice. Um, the Poetic Critic, again, letterbox.com, The Poetic Critic. And um, thank you, Stacia Harden, for always being my inspiration to keep on going, pushing forward in this oh, melancholy thing called life. So um, until next week, then thank you again, the poetic critic. I'll see you for Christmas. Well, we'll see. You never know. Well, okay. Little optimism. Like (laughs) that's all. That's all right. Have yourself. Good night. Thank you. All right. It's Christmas, Theo. It's the time of miracles. So be of good cheer and call me when you hit the last lock. Can I hear a wahoo?